Oh man, <laughs> I, I I'm sorry. I can't. It's laugh. gonna be a it's weird. Just, it, it, no, but like I have an expense report now that I have to put out, and it has the fact that I rented this movie on it because oh, I gosh. wanted to. No, Dominique, like I wanted to find out what exactly yeah. was the documentary that Kyrie Irving had put on his page. He objects vehemently to the fact that he promoted it, as he told Nick Friedle, our colleague, right. in that press conference. But he finally, recently, we're talking as he has just deleted the tweet. Finally, and I think we should just start the conversation, which is coming ahead of lots of good football, fun football. We have to do the thing where we say fun is coming. Yes. Because we're going to yes. get a little serious here. But also, I think, you know, I find this genuinely interesting. Um, yeah. I think we should just say, like, the documentary in question, which is based on a book, is deeply anti-Semitic. Right. It's like crazy brain worms. Like, I understand that schools have not taught us the history that we should know in totality as, like, worldly people who value all sorts of cultures and religions and races that's all true but this thing like all i gotta know dominique is that like two hours and 30 minutes in there's like a quote from adolf hitler that is used and it's like i think this is a fake quote but also like it's just that kind of a thing but watching the theater of that press conference like i, I was just staggered truly by the incoherence of kyrie irving that's the word that came to mind first and foremost honestly yeah i mean i i think there's some people have like a lot of like mental horsepower and it's not always aimed at the right thing. And I think he seems like someone who is very misguided and is right now his ego won't let him admit that he's been like led down this really absurd path. And it seems like, I think that's the incoherence that you, you're seeing up there. Like it's very recognizable to, to me as someone who is like, ah, uh, I'm caught, but I can't let him know I'm caught. Right. Or like, and it's not even that he's caught, it's that he's the fool in this, you know? And I think that it, maybe he's realizing it, maybe he's not realizing it, but it seems quite clear that his, his intentions, I was gonna like give an adjective for the intentions, but I'm not even gonna give an adjective to determine his intentions, but it seems like his intentions are very like misguided. He said, I guess I would be more direct with it. He, it feels like Kyrie's very pro-black, which is a great starting point to be mm -hmm. proud of your heritage, your African heritage, and sure. want to do things to improve the standing of black people in this country and in this world. But when whoever is advising you is giving you things to read and watch, or if you're leading yourself down the path that he's going down and you're promoting and propagating garbage like this and retweeting old Alex Jones tweets. So like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's indefensible and it's despicable and sad all at the same time. Yeah. So the Alex Jones thing, I mean, let's relive briefly that press conference because Nick Friedle, our colleague, asks him about why did you promote Alex Jones on, you know, your Instagram account? And he says, and to his credit, like he started off strong, just like disavowing that yeah. he didn't want any part of the whole like Sandy Hook school shooting aspect of Alex Jones. Right. And that this is where it began to get off the rails. He was basically more into Alex Jones's earlier stuff in which he talks about like the Illuminati and the New World Order, all of which, by the way, happens to have its roots in anti-Semitism as well, in terms of like who is puppeteering the planet and so forth right. and so on. And then everything just sort of spun wildly out of control. And the incoherence came in, not only because it sounded to your point, like he was a guy who maybe did or did not do the reading 
and in either case didn't want to admit that the reading was not reading he should have been doing in the first place. But it was because the reason we even care at all about why an incoherent person is espousing truly bigoted things, why we care about this person is because he has influence, right? Because he is a public figure who has fans. And what he said in this presser that was so telling here was he, he begins, he says, quote, I'm in, a, I'm in a unique position to have a level of influence on my community. And the community that he's referring to there clearly is the community that some part of us wants to think that he has a, a really like noble intention for, as you said, which is black people, right? Yeah. Totally so far understand like, yes, he has influence on the community. But then he also says when he's called out on how he's using that influence, he says, stop treating me like I'm different. You know, he says like, stop dehumanizing me, stop accusing me of promoting, like I'm, I'm just like anybody else. And those are inherently contradictory. You have influence until it's something that you have to answer for. Yeah, and he was quibbling with the word promotion. And like, if you're reposting things, you're spreading it. And I guess that's the, and if you're reposting them and not also like criticizing it, like it's Or it's clarifying, a yeah, yes. There, it's, it's like an implied um, endorsement, you know? And I think like when we retweet jokes or retweet anything like that, like that's, we're saying this is something that people need to see because we want people to see it. So if you're not going to say this is garbage, which in which case you probably shouldn't retweet it in the first place, but if you're not going to say this is anti-Semitic garbage, then you really are promoting it by retweeting I, or, it. Or, or when you're asked about it directly numerous times in a presser, Dominique, yeah. like you should take the opportunity to clarify what you do and don't believe. And the biggest L in all of this, you could argue, and there are a number of L's to consider here, is simply the fact that we got through an entire press conference with Kyrie Irving in which this was the topic and none of us have any greater clarity about the specifics of the anti-semitism that he does or does not believe in yeah. like which is crazy that it's like how how did you not how how are you this bad at messaging on behalf of yourself yeah um what does he want to play basketball so this is, I mean, this is the, so he had been doing, and again, we're grading on a curve here. He'd been doing really well up until this point. <laughs> he had, like, he was like, I'm going to be best friends with you, Nick. For yeah, now. I remember I'm that. the right things. We did a whole podcast that he's been yeah. daily about it. And he I'll had been playing, there are criticisms about his game now, certainly efficiency and so forth, but he's been averaging over 30 and like 30 and five or so. Like, and the Nets have been terrible. But it seems like basketball was, he said he wanted to play like, you know, head to tail, like a full season. Yeah. And so that says, yes, I do want to play basketball. But, but the mere tweeting of this on Thursday amid the relative calm, right? Just like throwing it out there. And this is the other part of this, Dominique. Like none of us were really raring to do a close reading of the things that Kyrie Irving tweets out or posts images of nope. because this has been a theme of him like the black Israelite kind of like school of thought which obviously touches on various strains of extremism but none of us were like time to confront Kyrie about this everyone truly was kind of like we'd like to not have to deal with this right. insofar as he doesn't want to put this in front of us and he tweeted out the link to the Amazon thing which you pay yeah, a lot of money to watch this thing. And someone at Rolling Stone did. And now everybody had questions. And that's where it's like, maybe you didn't 
or maybe you were subconsciously self-destructive because that's what it feels like i mean and it's also possible that he wants to play basketball but in basketball is very important to him but there are things that are more important to him than basketball which and and most people it's something that we would believe is commendable worth celebrating like colin kaepernick for for example something more important than playing football to him and i think that in Kyrie's mind i'm assuming that this is not some sort of like 4d chess self-sabotage that in his mind except this is where this is where you had this is where i have the issue it's like okay i i was i mean there's plenty of places to have issues but i was saying that in his mind this is a noble cause that is bringing truth to people and he's willing to sacrifice his career for it but then they put a microphone in front of your face and you clammed up and you was all yeah, squirrely yes. and you never you never yes. said what you were saying you're like i didn't promote it but you're also not saying that it's garbage so like you can't make any sense of any of this. No, no. Eh, gosh. And by the way, so you mentioned Kaepernick. And so I think, and, and we should also say for the record here, like Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, like criticized Kyrie on the levels that we're describing on Twitter um, before the presser. And so even the mere fact of like, hey, this is a thing you have to deal with. Will you please deal with it and clarify and clean your conscience on this? And he did not do that nearly enough. And so what happens next is that I think there is a real valid momentum towards him just like not playing yeah again like is this worth the headache dominique they're a terrible team like why would you even pursue this knowing that this is how your employee is going to make your life that much harder on top of the ethical considerations and you know where this goes of course right because we talked about how the reason we care about the story is influence what this becomes now is a persecution complex this becomes the victimhood kind of idea this becomes i have been blackballed I have been canceled. I have been speaking truth too much. Yeah, and like, I mean, it feeds the conspiracy brain, man. Fine. Like, this is why that's it's fine. so disheartening though. That's it's so fine. disheartening. Feed that's how it. it's gonna go. Where, I mean, you're right, but you gotta feed it. I don't think that we get to a place where we are making our decisions, making decisions that you might believe to be moral decisions based on the reaction of others. So like, mm-hmm. he hasn't committed a crime. So I understand that you don't wanna, you may not want to punish him for that but if the reason for not punishing him is a fear that he's going to become some sort of like i don't know some conspiracy theory cult leader superhero then so be it but i I mean i could understand the nets not wanting to give up on their investment because i mean he hasn't done anything that well i guess we should look at some point what what type of yeah because he didn't use the language himself he just like retweeted some garbage so no but this is but this is this is it we're truly like every tech company every company like every government Mm. is struggling elon musk at twitter struggling with what it means to be a content moderator and what does it mean when you put something on your page and essentially you are platforming amplifying this but you are not specifically endorsing the content except you kind of are and and but you're not it's it's yeah i mean i don't think the question is what does it mean it's it's the question is how responsible are you for it because i think it's clear what it means and like you mentioned before like we're all newspapers now to some degree everyone who has a twitter and instagram account we're all like publishers and the things that you publish like how responsible are are you for them and I think certain language, obviously you're, you should be held fully responsible for like certain language, but he didn't use the, 
he didn't use the language. He just said, hey, these guys are using some things over here that you might want to check out who are saying and doing the things that deserve to be punished for. So it'll be interesting how the NBA deals with this going forward and yeah, how the I, Nets I, deal with it. I just know that the last thing anybody wants, and I think Kyrie includes himself in this way, is for Kyrie Irving to have to answer any more questions. Yeah. Because we know... <laughs> We just have, it, it's stunning to me how much we've listened to him talk and how little we've learned about any of the specifics that, that are, that are putting his entire career in jeopardy, let alone like the safety of people who may in fact be harmed by the fact that this is the that he is yeah putting on his account followed by millions of people. So anyway, we live in a dystopia. <laughs> Should we probably get to some fun now, having certified said dystopia for the umpteenth time, Dominique? Please. Okay. Barnwell, Bill Barnwell save. Yay, football! So we need a palate cleanser, Dominique. <laughs> we need a clean we need a little bit of that ginger stuff they give you between the fish. When you get a fancy sushi omakase menu. Oh. And here is the the most expensive piece of fish that we can bring you is no he's not the out. fish he's the palate cleanser he's ginger he's the ginger mm -hmm. oh that's right that's right mm -hmm. with a little, I, I a little wasabi your sinuses too. yes <laughs> i am i am clearing the sinuses to prepare for another course of dominique foxworth and pablo Torre. Yes. bastion of rationality mr cellophane is what we bring you now <laughs> in the second segment of the show so where do you want us to start i'd like to start with christian mccaffrey and the 49ers McCaffrey looked great today, and the 49ers beat the Rams. So we are asking, did Christian McCaffrey's performance change how you view the 49ers offense? Ooh. Is great the right adjective for what he did today? This what is, we, this is an inside there? job. This is an inside job. You remember <laughs> last week, Alabaster was like, oh, I'm so excited about the 49ers or Christian McCaffrey. So the only purpose of having this in the show at the top of our football segment, mind you, is so that we could say, oh, he was right. They are so much better because <laughs> now Christian McCaffrey can throw touchdowns and catch touchdowns too. Mm -hmm. And rush for them, incidentally, yeah. which he did. Mm -hmm. That I mean, that went without saying. The the throwing a touchdown was a bit of a surprise, I have to say. And they, I mean, they beat the Rams. They always beat the Rams. Yeah. <laughs> I don't eight know. eight not, in a row. Eight in a row is what they've done. Not not the first time a very handsome, underqualified quarterback threw a touchdown pass for the 49ers. So I'd say <laughs> the big issue is here. That's just part of the offense. Yeah, I mean, he was he's an exceptional athlete. Speaking uh, of from, delicious cuts of meat, yeah. <laughs> um, somehow, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Somehow the um, the Panthers seem to have gotten better without him, and the 49ers may have gotten mm -hmm. more explosive with him. So they got him up out of town, and he's happier, rejuvenated. I don't know the story that we need to whip up around this, but Kyle Stimulated various another... economies, Dominique. <laughs> there you go. Kyle Shanahan having another I... weapon is not good for the NFC West. No. He he stimulated not just the Cal Shanahan economy, which I think we all talked about after this trade, but he's not just the perfect perfect receiver or the perfect running back for Cal Shanahan. He's the perfect weapon for Jimmy Garoppolo. Because yeah. at the end of the day, what Jimmy Garoppolo wants to do is get the ball out quick to an open receiver, make an easy throw, move the chains, and move on with his life. Jimmy Garoppolo does not want to hold the football, does not want to chuck it deep. So I want to do anything that would qualify as danger if he does not have to. And Christian McCaffrey is the perfect fit 
for that in this offense. You may have noticed Jimmy Garoppolo had a really good day yesterday. 21 of 25, his highest completion percentage in any full start during his NFL career. That's because mm. Christian McCaffrey made his life easy. So many quick completions for him, screens, option routes, stuff out of the backfield. Christian McCaffrey creates those opportunities. And we saw the the gravity in this game, right? I mean, Ross Dwelly yeah. got open deep for a 56-yard catch, which does not happen by accident. We saw Brendan Ayuk have a really good game, six for six as a receiver. We saw such ease of use in this game for the 49ers passing attack that I feel like this is sort of the the prototype, right? Like Christian McCaffrey may have bigger games, but this was the exact game you sort of thought he could have in this offense when the Niners traded for him a couple of weeks ago. I think the card that you just brought up is a very important one to do, have this offensive production without Debo Samuel, something that we, mm -hmm. yes. I don't think anyone would predict it was possible, even with Christian McCaffrey, honestly, because Debo has been the kind of versatile, flexible player that makes this team special. Uh, and it seems like Christian can be that also. And we're just going to just blow by the fact that Lamar wanted to participate in the conversation. Nobody heard that. It was just. Oh, no, we, we heard. Right. We heard Lamar being a shocking uh, Jimmy Garoppolo stand. No, 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 uh, no, no. Book. You don't understand Cat. He was pointing out that Jimmy Garoppolo tried to get the ball intercepted and Jalen Ramsey <laughs> was feeling generous and threw it back at the ground. That's what that's what Lamar was talking about. He was talking about the <laughs> dropped interceptions. I also found interesting here is that Kyle Shanahan kind of got away with something in mm. this game that his counterpart, Sean McVay, did not. You noticed on the final drive of this game for the Niners, or the next to last great drive of this game for the Niners, Christian McCaffrey, with a two-touchdown lead, got handed the ball three straight times. Yeah. They punt. The Rams go on the field. As a Cooper Cup fantasy interest holder, <laughs> Cooper Cup gets the ball. Cooper Cup gets injured. And Sean McVay rightfully gets criticized for it because that's the basically the entirety of your offense right now. You just got injured in a totally meaningless situation. Christian McCaffrey getting carries, let alone receptions, carries in that same situation seems so stupid and short-sighted that I, I don't really understand. Like, Dominique, you are a former player. You've interacted with coaches. Like, why are these guys even on the field in the final three minutes of games? I would say that it's a mentality thing. I think most coaches – and, I mean, the rosters are slim for – obvious reasons because you have to keep them down mm -hmm. so they don't have a bunch of replacements i don't think that's the reason i think it's just like you don't want to the players don't want to come out and the coaches don't want to send the message that it's time to like fall back and take it easy that's the best argument i could have for it the third argument which is probably the real one is the one that you already made they're not that smart i'm gonna keep hitting this D'Amico ryan's uh drum yeah. and, 14 like, points total for the rams as yeah, well. yeah. none in the second half like this this team as as attractive as the jimmy garoppolo and mccaffrey connection is this team is about that defense and the way that they're showing up every week and allowing jimmy garoppolo to manage the game you notice any successful game manager in the history of football is paired with a very very good defense and they have that mm. there do we have anything else to say about christian mccaffrey does anyone else like is this interesting christian mccaffrey it, it seems like it's really fun to be Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess the question I'm yes. left with here, given how good the defense is, is whether this actually does change how you think about this team or whether this is like a vanity luxury good that is just cool to have. Um, yes. I mean, I think it's just the, the flexibility the, that they can win without Debo. That's the change. Mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't, to me at least, it doesn't make them that much like better. 
but it does make them that much more like durable and reliable and resilient. And they can attack different places when they have both of them. So yeah, they're a little bit better, but the spot that they always needed help was the quarterback. <laughs> and mm-hmm. unless Chris is going to keep throwing them things, uh, I don't know. The ceiling is the ceiling. I mean, the ceiling was they came within a drive of winning the Super Bowl. Like maybe Christian McCaffrey's that difference maker. I, I, I picked them to make the Super Bowl before the season. That's right. And I felt real stupid after their quarterback got hurt after two <laughs> weeks. And now we're on, we're on the come up, guys. We're moving right back up. This is exactly how I saw this one happening. So, Pablo, you can take that one to television. As go. someone who already stole that take and is now going to absolutely pretend like nothing changed in between the making of the take and the stealing mm-hmm. of the take and the reality mm-hmm. of the take, I am mm-hmm. fully with you. That's fine. Bikes are tights. Ooh, Mr. Cellophane. We got something. We got something. What do we got next? We got a couple teams that we have not been talking about very much. The Vikings who beat the Cardinals earlier today and the Titans who beat the Texans. And we are asking which team that we've been ignoring do you think is more worthy of our respect, the Vikings or the Titans? I love I love how we do this. It's like we don't respect these teams. We're going to start by making them split a timeshare in the second question of this segment. I mean, look, the Vikings have one loss. The Titans have two. I mean, that's like the, the broad Titans, mass of it. I mean, the, and the Titans started a rookie quarterback today who threw for 55 yards. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so guys, like, I mean, <laughs> we bring Tannehill back. He go throw for 58. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's it's the Derrick Henry show. And it's really hard to have, like, they're, I mean, they're a really well-coached team that seems to, like, really have faith in themselves but mm-hmm. if we're talking about oh boy of, of this, these is, this teams, is the compliment that's the number one compliment we're gonna pay I they mean, have faith in no themselves. i i i'm just trying to set up the pivot to the team that i actually think has like some uh, realistic shot is the the vikings I, I mean they are both in the nfc and have a quarterback who can attack down the field uh, outstanding receiver and they have Zadarius Smith. So, I, I mean, that's the nicest thing I can say about their defense is it has Zadarius Smith on it. He's incredible. So, like, if we're going to talk about one of these teams that I have that deserves more respect, I, I think it's the – I mean, I guess I really respect what the Titans have done, <laughs> but I don't see them as a long-term, like, real competitor in AFC. You, you could see Dominique step on the Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback here bandwagon and then got that first step on I and just immediately ran off the bandwagon. It was like, didn't I don't even name him. Didn't name. even name him. Yeah, just a quarterback. <laughs> he's better. Like, I mean, we all agree he's better in part because he has a better receiver in Justin Jefferson. Like, and I mean, speaking of receivers, did you guys see what DeAndre Hopkins was doing today? Changing, like, changing the topic. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it it wasn't a change. It was a segue. We're talking about the Vikings. (laughs) They played the Cardinals. That's true. Jefferson, Hopkins. I mean, Hopkins deserves some love. He was, like, targeted 48 times. Sure. Mm -hmm. He was great. caught um, 50 passes. Don't ask me how he did. (laughs) And definitely is not responsible for the substances he put into his body. Uh, (laughs) No, they're out now. Injustice. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I did my time. (laughs) <laughs> so bill make the argument for the titans that it seems like you're you're like or you just want to mock me you don't actually disagree with me <laughs> i just want to mock you no we'd never want to do that i i i think the difference here is that in this week we saw the best version of derrick henry that we have seen 
since I would say 2020. Because last year, Derrick Henry mm. was getting the ball a ton, had great, like the most carries through, I think, eight games in NFL history before he got hurt. But he was average. His numbers, his efficiency was not the way it had been the last couple of years. This was the first time since then we have seen sort of the real Derrick Henry where he's busting off 40-yard runs or he's running through tackles. He had over 200 yards in this game, two touchdowns, converted, I think, a fourth and one in this game, was the single most dominant force in the game, which Dominique said was being played with a quarterback who clearly Tennessee was terrified of having throw the football at any point downfield. Yeah, and I think through 10 times total. Yeah. Right. And I think as a force of nature, Derrick Henry is one of the very few players in the NFL who is even more transcendent than a superstar wide receiver. I think Derrick Henry carried this team pretty close to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And as good as Justin Jefferson is, like we know he's not enough for the Vikings. He's been fantastic the past couple of years, and the Vikings have looked pretty ordinary most of the time. I think they're better this season. I think Cedarius Smith, who Dominique mentioned, as playing fantastic football. He had three sacks today, but that secondary, when they don't get pressure, that secondary is a problem. Patrick Peterson has not looked great. Uh, Cam Dantzler hasn't looked great. The I think they're 27th in the NFL in QBR when they don't get pressure. And I think that's my concern is when they've played a team that's kind of been at their level in terms of the record, I think the only right. team they play with a winning record and a starting quarterback this season has been the Eagles, who kind of gave them their lunch. So I, I don't think the Vikings are a team that, to me, I feel much differently about than I did before the season. I thought you take lunch money. You don't give people lunch, do you? You're giving people lunch? Yeah. That's like a you, gave you, them their lunch? Are you... you know, you, you can tell I was not I, I was not in a position to be bullied. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> okay, just just so you know, when you Bill, start bullying from here to here on, adaptation <laughs> early on was just like I'm just going to give this. Yes. Do best. not. That's not effective bullying. Don't go around giving people your your lunch money. <laughs> that's, that's not what bullies do. But you said that's a why, lot. Of, that's why I'm not Debo. That's why said, I'm not Debo. You said a lot of really interesting and important things, but the question is the question. Who deserves more respect? Is it the Titans? Because they're D-lined and they're managing to get wins, even mm -hmm. though year after year we think they shouldn't and they still win. And Derrick Henry is who we thought would have run out of gas four years ago. Mm -hmm. Keith Sirius' right. workload is, is still putting up numbers. Like, that deserves some respect. Or is it the Vikings, who I think we all would agree have a better shot in the yeah, postseason that's, than that's, either team? So they'll I win their like division and they'll play mm -hmm. some NFC teams. Come on, Sally. Give us a question. Get me out of here. We're going to go to what many people thought was going to be the game of the weekend between the Seahawks and Giants. And it wasn't exactly that exciting. So we're asking, did you learn more about the Seahawks or the Giants today? How dare you? How dare you insult the beauty that was this game? Um, wasn't that exciting? Um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't bad though like I thought Gino played well Lockett dropped a pass a touchdown pass mm -hmm. and made up for it later Gino I mean Gino's above game manager or he's the highest yes. end of game manager he's like yes. and that's that's something that's commendable I think it's a little unfair though because early in the season, I remember the Chiefs losing to the Colts. And it was mm -hmm. in large part because the Chiefs' special teams were atrocious. Mm -hmm. And we explained it away and said, they'll be fine. The Giants had the same situation where they had two fumbled punts and, mm -hmm. like, gave a short field. But they still don't have no receivers. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it just, it just, it's a, it's a sad situation. 
uh, for the Giants. But yeah, Gino's good. That's all we need to know. But but this, I mean, but to inject the stakes into this, Bill, right? Like this mm-hmm. was a game that we were looking forward to, not just because, relatively speaking, it was a game that mattered compared to other games that mattered less, but because this was a team in the Giants that was six and one. Now they are <laughs> six and two. The Seahawks. God, Lamar. Um, Lamar. Yeah, Giants were overrated. <laughs> um, the Seahawks, though, were were four and three. Now they're five and three, yeah. right? And like, I, I still don't know what to make of either of them at this point. So, what do you make of this? I I would say we learned more about the Giants today because to me, I think we came in thinking, okay, the Seahawks are going to win because Geno Smith is playing out of his mind. He's the most accurate quarterback in football right now, and Jeez. he was that guy again. Like he. Like you said, Tyler Lockett, that was a perfect pass from Geno Smith that Tyler Lockett dropped. And Geno got him later in the game for a second touchdown. Mm -hmm. But Geno has continued to look great. He looks in control. He's confident. Kenneth Walker has been making plays. Usually he's good for one big play a game. They had the touchdown run here. But the Giants came into this game as the team that had the formula, right? Like they would be kind of sticking around and kind of be gross and ugly for three quarters. <laughs> and then fourth quarter, stay calm and get going. They'd have a big yep. play and they'd win the game. And I think we saw in this game, they were not that team in the yeah. fourth quarter. Saquon really struggled, 53 yards rushing. Uh, I think he was under 70 yards from scrimmage altogether in this game. Daniel Jones and the offense, I think had 46 net yards in the first half, which is worse than normal, even by their standards. And then in the fourth quarter, like you said, they muffed the punt. They weren't that good on offense, didn't score. It felt like we kind of saw that they don't have that counterpunch, that plan B, when it comes to finding ways to win football games, whereas the Seahawks right now don't need a plan B because they're playing really well from the start of games on. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with everything you said, but in Daniel Jones' meager defense against Geno Smith, Geno mm-hmm. Smith has Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. <laughs> like, I mean, what do you expect? Daniel has mm-hmm. to be looking over there, like drooling, wishing, like, can I get one? Please. <laughs> can I borrow one? This isn't fair. Whoever, yes. whoever, like the gym teacher that picked up these teams does not like him. And he should read. No, this is where the gym teacher needs to play receiver for for this (laughs) team to even it out. Because Darius Layden ain't doing it. And uh, Richie Mm -hmm. James, I believe, who had been the leading receiver by Mm -hmm. some metrics. Yeah, not not an encouraging sign of the pecking order here. Okay, so if you're the Giants, we talked about this last week. Have, Have your feelings changed. Would you go out and get a receiver for Daniel Jones before the trade deadline on Tuesday? I would get a receiver for Daniel Jones if he was a young receiver that I could keep for a while. Like I, I would not make any moves for this season. I would make moves that were that just happened to take place in this season, but are for the mm-hmm. long term. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should um, package some picks. There's a young, talented receiver in Kansas City. Kadarius Tony doesn't have any catches <laughs> for them. <laughs> maybe they should see if they can get him. Oh, that guy's good. Yeah, I mean, the you just got to give him the ball. Good. Yeah, and he can. Make something happen like this. <laughs> For the podcast audience, this is this is uninspiring. Uh, Ooh, yeah, hip flex. Oh, yeah. Lam- Lamar, oh. Lamar, Lamar was just juked out of the room by domination. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Sally? I just have a question to go back to Geno Smith real quick because mm-hmm. he's kind of ascended in a way that I mean I can't really think of any precedent where this quarterback you know comes out of nowhere after you know being in the league for as long as he has as a backup. Mm-hmm. And now he's playing out of his mind. Um, so I guess my question is like, how is this happening? And like, how do you explain that? Mm. McAdoo mm. was right. 
Well, I mean, if you if you go through his his history, I mean, I know everyone's focused on the punch, the Jets situation, which cost him a, a shot there. The Eli Manning like riding off into the sunset cost him opportunity right. there. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's and then there's the whole being black thing really doesn't help you when mm-hmm. you're looking for a job as a quarterback. So like mm-hmm. I, it's uncommon, but it's not like completely surprising that there could be a good quarterback who's not getting time. <laughs> PJ Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we should, we'll get to PJ Walker, but you're right. No, wow. there is like a, there, Walker, is, there is a whole thing of like, uh, excuse me. Can I speak to your game manager? <laughs> Gino Smith walks out. You're like, no, you're, you're, your manager. Yeah. <laughs> I said, your manager. <laughs> But I no, mean, Bell, like, I, what do you? What are we supposed to think about Gino now? Truly, it, it, I think it speaks to who gets second chances in the NFL, right? I mean, Gino is not a highly drafted quarterback. He's not an incredible athlete. He doesn't have a super strong arm. He's good at all those things. He's a fine quarterback. But I think he was always seen as this guy who was supposed to be a backup after he struggled early in his career. Which, hey, sometimes quarterbacks struggle early in their careers and get better. Drew Brees is the most obvious and significant example of that. But you have to have the right people around you, which now Geno Smith clearly has the best receivers he's ever played with in Seattle. He has an offense that believes in him. He's not about to get benched in the way he was in years past. And he has the starting job, which he hasn't had for any significant stretch of time. He's been fine, really, by the numbers as a backup over the past few seasons. He's just not been ever given an opportunity to stay in the starting role for more than a week or two. And, and I know we always make that argument when we talk about expansion or we talk about the NFL and people complain and they say, oh, there's not 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL. There probably are. We just do a shitty job of picking those 32 quarterbacks. And a lot of the guys who we give starting jobs to are not very good at the job, even if the backups behind them don't have the same physical traits or athletic skill. They're actually better at the job of playing quarterback than some of the guys who are playing starting roles. And I think the Geno Smith-Drew Locke example is probably a classic example of that. I feel like, Dominique, we got to get to the P.J. Walker part of this now. Like, yes. We're, 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 tempting, we're tempting fate by not directly inserting him into this conversation. Yes. Mr. Salafane, can we get to the, the game that was the game of the day um, yeah. by sheer entertainment value, uh, if nothing else? Absolutely. Yeah. Crazy ending. Falcons beat the Panthers in overtime. And we are asking, should we blame DJ Moore for the Panthers loss to the Falcons? Dude, I think we got to start with PJ Walker, right? Like let that be the okay. first name because the sure. dude throws a 62 yard Hail Mary mm-hmm. that is caught like on the run by yeah. DJ Moore. And this is again, just like marveling at like, oh, this guy was just available to play quarterback professionally this entire time i didn't know he could do that no and then dj moore catches this thing 23 seconds are left in the game they tied the game in mm-hmm. 62 yard catch didn't and, um, patrick mahomes tweet out that it's the throw of the year so far yes yeah. objectively i don't know what beats it truly and it's so it's so the throw of the year that dj moore collects the so, penalty of the year yeah, yeah. dj dj <laughs> caught the touchdown and being yes. a maryland wide receiver he followed in the footsteps of stefan diggs who also mm-hmm. caught a big touchdown and whips his helmet off the thing was stefan caught the game winning touchdown and it was over <laughs> in that moment mm-hmm. dj caught a touchdown to tie the game and the extra mm-hmm. point would have given them the win so they tacked 15 yards on and mm-hmm. then the kicker, uh, missed. Eddie Pinheiro, yeah, Eddie Pinheiro, former Eddie Bears Pinheiro, missed. Yeah. He missed it. But in Ominously. DJ's defense, 
two DJ defenses. One sure. is they wouldn't wow. even have that chance okay. if DJ didn't make that play. Two, mm. Eddie got another shot from a re- mm-hmm. much more reasonable distance in overtime, and Eddie blew it. So he got I'm he got DJ. another shot from basically the exact distance and the exact hash mark where he would have been trying that same extra point, and Wait, he missed did- it. DJ Moore, the whole like I'm the reason we're even in this position is some real like dad who did something wrong energy, <laughs> but still wants to point out that he's responsible for all of your livelihoods. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I pulled that card a couple times, and it's true so every vibe. time. So vibe. yeah, yeah, the, the dad, the dad who burned breakfast and the house is on fire and the fire <laughs> exactly. department is coming. Uh, he says, "I bought this roof in the first place. Yeah. There'd be no roof to burn down <laughs> if it were not for me putting the roof there in the first place." But I guess I guess just to belabor the the like li- I guess it's the written rules in this case. I was gonna say the unwritten rules, but it's that spirit of like, mm-hmm. why does this rule even exist? I guess it's because it feels like it's uh, taunty. Is that is that the whole idea? Yeah. I don't I, I, I don't I don't mind That's it fair point. at all. Like I don't really get it. I mean, we've gone I back on we've gone back on dancing. Like I remember they were much more right. like punitive on dancing. The helmet yeah. takeoff thing is like as long as you're not taunting somebody, I don't see the reason why it should be. Mm-hmm. penalty but no fun but, but let's flip it what would dj moore have needed to do after the touchdown for you to sit here and say you know what he did deserve a 15 yard penalty he would have had to come to my house and slap me in the face <laughs> anything anything of short short of driving from atlanta to dc and striking me i'm good with it i i, I think i think he would have needed to do multiple acts from what what's your fantasy by ludicrous for me to <laughs> say that he deserved oh, a 15 God. yard penalty i do just want to say to kind of put a button on this that i have the nfc south standings in front of me and yep. the falcons are in first now mm-hmm. and so. I, that, that's all i want to say it wasn't even a question just <laughs> yeah, just, just, wanted, just wanted to throw it out there it's it is uh, jarring when you see it so i the, mean the, i mean to give the people a peek behind the curtain a little bit is we were discussing whether we should do this topic or not and I said, are any of these teams e- even relevant? And then Mr. Cellophane <laughs> was like, well, they're in first place. And mm-hmm. my response is, are either of these teams even relevant? <laughs> like, so, no one thinks these teams are good. But mm-hmm. it was a fun game. Thanks, guys, for that. It really was. <laughs> totally worth but it. That counts, though, right? Like, like, yes, there are going to be better teams in the NFL. The Vikings are an objectively better team. But if you had more fun watching a Vikings game this year as opposed to that Falcons-Panthers game, absolutely not. Of course not. Dominique is already grinning mischievously at Spencer. <laughs> no, so it's because I love we are, Spencer. We are excited. I am now suspicious, but welcome back. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know why you're laughing. Nothing funny. Mm-mm, Tennessee's no, undefeated. <laughs> Tennessee's <laughs> undefeated. And uh the Illini are going to the Big Ten Championship. This is my way of saying we have an ecosystem in collapse oh, or crisis. <laughs> There's too many orange, too many orange teams thriving. It's not good for college football. This is this is the equivalent of measuring the water levels in like Greenland. It's like, oh no, this is oh, unsustainable. No. There are knock-on <laughs> oh, effects no. that we'll reckon with that generations from now we'll have to reckon with. But right now. Mr. Cellophane, I think we can just have fun with the fact that some of these things actually did happen, and I don't really know what to make of them. Yeah, Tennessee looks good. They beat 19th-ranked Kentucky this weekend, big, and now their next game next week at Georgia. So we are asking, do you expect Tennessee to keep rolling next week against Georgia? 
44 to 6, Spencer, is Ooh. what Tennessee did <laughs> to the dogs. Mm-hmm. And and I guess there's an argument, there's a real argument at this point that this is actually the best team in the country. Like no one else has the resume that Tennessee has. So where where are you starting your make a smarter uh yeah, session here on college football? Well, probably by contextualizing that 44 to 6 score, which is that this was done in a business-like <laughs> fashion without too much savagery. This was pretty clockwork. They didn't do anything crazy. They didn't have anything like the kind of, uh, you know, at times like that Alabama game felt like a mission. This did not feel like a mission. This felt like I clocked in at 8.59 and I clocked out at 5.01. I put in two extra minutes of time. And frankly, I didn't need them. Um, You also need to know they ran the ball way more than they passed it. They ran well. They played excellent defense. Will Levis was never comfortable. They never got their run game uh, on track uh, for the Wildcats. This was different. This was more a this was more a matter of like field position production than it was anything. And it was kind of atypical of the way that they've done things. This is my long way of saying that Kentucky was planning to slow things down and they were planning to run the ball and they were going to attempt to score but also limit the amount of time that Tennessee had it, and they lost 44-6. This is, to me, a preview of what you might see Georgia try to do, and I don't know if there is a Mm. way to do it. However, let's counter on the other side. Georgia right now is playing so well offensively that we might be headed for another 52-49 type game. Yeah, there was no, no so. there was no trap game look ahead situation for no. them heading into the Bulldogs. Yeah, I, I think the only suspense that I feel around Tennessee right now is is Jalen Hyatt gonna steal the Heisman from Hendon Hooker? Like it feels like those mm-hmm. two teammates. Uh, not that not that I watch nearly as much uh, Tennessee football as Spencer or any Tennessee fan, but when I turn on Tennessee games. Them two scored all the points, and it looks like mm-hmm. it is unfair. And I'm looking forward to see what Georgia does against them. So, well, Jalen, Jalen Hyatt, just to get the numbers in here, right? 138 yards receiving, five five catches, two touchdowns. Hendon Hooker, yeah, just a casual three touchdowns as we expect from a guy who looks like the best quarterback in the country. It looks like is like there's really <laughs> there's not a lot of of well, Will Levis mind. in contrast, right? I mean, he was an NFL. I mean, he is an NFL prospect. He got held to three picks, 98 yards passing, Spencer. Like this is this was this was say business like and also just held like to three oh. picks. So he yeah, <laughs> like they, they could have picked him off more, but they were being business like and didn't want to run it in. That, that's run right. No, that's right. We, we we weren't gonna do what happened to Wake Forest on Saturday, which was six turnovers, including two pick sixes in one quarter, the third quarter. That's that was too much work. Tennessee wasn't gonna do that much running. They were they're like they they had to conserve themselves. So yeah, that is the only bit of drama with them. I my metric for this, I know you're in trouble against the team offensively when you can name three receivers. <laughs> like that's just like I shouldn't know three receivers. That's just yeah, not not in college. No, not in college. You shouldn't get that. Frankly, in the pros, if I know three receivers <laughs> on your team. I'm in trouble. Like I just need to start looking at next That's week fair. and just kind of scotch it and go, I know I got two corners, but I ain't got three. But 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 the point is there though that like that's treatment that we have given in the past to like Alabama and LSU. Like how surprising is it that you are now watching a number of guys whose names we've all had to suddenly learn? 
Well, I, I think there's a couple of things at work here. One is that the transfer portal makes talent mobility um, an even greater factor in how teams are put together. So I think that when you look at this Tennessee team and how they're put together, you can say, okay, we had a lot of guys who transferred in and we got this special mix of players, which is what they did. Like Hendon Hooker is a guy who was, again, cast off by Virginia Tech. Like, just not not welcome. We don't need you. And Tennessee was like, don't mind if I do. We'll take it. <laughs> um, you know, they have some players who were unheralded. Yoink. Some players who, <laughs> under previous management, weren't necessarily uh, in the right spot. And, frankly, combine that with an offensive structure and, and game plan that puts these guys in space. That's it. Yeah. Like, like, just get players comfortable, put them in the right spots, recruit pretty well. I mean, they have been bringing in talent, but it's not like they brought in enough talent in two years to be this good alone. So careful use of the transfer portal, great game plan, and just making things simple. If you look at what they do downfield, they scored two TDs against Kentucky on what was essentially the same concept. Didn't defend it once. We called it again. Guess what? <laughs> they didn't defend it twice. Yeah. That, that, that happens. So... I think Tennessee will keep rolling. Georgia is, I think, by far their greatest challenge. This is a team that, even if defensively you think you can get over on them, um, th that offensively they're going to be able to keep pace. They have two tight ends who are right. each, Oof. like, basically ogres, just titans. <laughs> they, like, they have these, like, nine-foot-tall tight ends, and they have two of them, including one, Darnell Washington. Brock Bowers is the more dangerous one, downfield, one-on-one. Um, you will not be able to defend him. He's going to eat. Uh, Darnell Washington, the other one, is um, <laughs> laughably huge. Like he's just—he's <laughs> just so big. It's funny. Like you just see corners or linebackers on them, and they're basically climbing him like a jungle gym to try to bat at the ball. Like they're not even trying to tackle him. It is yeah. what they do combined with that run game means that Stetson Bennett, who I think most people agree is a very good quarterback very good i think is is probably the right ranking there can look even better because if he does if he throws up a 50 50 ball it goes to 70 30 or 80 20 with these dudes so that combined with the run game coming online um they're a handful my one little caveat is this george is not a great pressure defense when it comes to the quarterback that might be an issue with hendon hooker yeah. additionally Georgia hasn't had their secondary tested like this. Again, I can name three receivers. Okay? Nobody has. We, we, yeah, we go Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, uh, Brew McCoy. Um, and that's before I get to the illustrious Squirrel White. If you want to know the like kind of attitude that this team has, uh, Hyatt went out for a second when he was dinged uh, during the game. He ended up being fine, came back, caught some more balls. They have a receiver named Squirrel White. Squirrel White is all of 5'9". He's like 5'9". And 175 pounds. Yeah, they don't name you squirrel if you're like three bills. It's just yeah. not. You'd be squirrels. Many squirrels. White. Um, but but Squirrel White goes in cold off the bench. And Heifel calls like a slot fade to him on the first play. Like like Love that it. is. Yeah, just confidence in your I people. Hate to, confidence I hate to. Confidence in your people. I hate to interrupt the information dump. I feel a lot smarter. I can't wait to get around my friends so I can say all the things that you said and pretend yep. like I learned them myself. But keep rolling and win are two different questions. And I think right. that I guess it feels like I've uh, Tennessee feels stronger because we've seen them in bigger games have bigger wins this season. Georgia is a blue blood, obviously, and particularly in recent history. So like they have a quarterback who just won a championship and made big plays in that championship game, or at least threw it to people who made big plays mm -hmm. in that game. So like that gives you 
some bit of credibility in cachet. But even though they stomped Florida, they did have too many turnovers, I would say. And that mm -hmm. would lead me to, I don't know, it's hard to pick because both these teams are so dominant. But the way Tennessee's looking and the way that Georgia turns the ball again, over against, uh, sorry, Spencer, uh, uh, I don't know, a second level Florida team. Uh, developmental. Developmental. Yes, <laughs> yes. There we go. And like, yeah. Florida, Florida fought back into that. They like fought back into that game. And I mean, obviously, Georgia was much better. They played, I guess, played with their food is a bit of what they did in the middle of the game. But like, I'm leaning Tennessee, and I think it'll be close just because Georgia is, is Georgia. Am I right? Can I add that to the end of all of I my like, stolen takes? I, I like the idea. Oh, they fought back into this game. I mean, they lost 42 to 20, which feels like a oh, the, they snuck in a headbutt while they were being like uh, held up by they, one hand. They covered, the Pablo. Wall. They covered. I, I mean, I think they like got it to one possession at a certain point mm -hmm. in the third quarter. Like they got back into a game where it was respectable. They got it to 20, Georgia. They got it to 20. Yeah. Yeah. And then Georgia looked up and was like, oh, oh, let's, uh, let's yeah, take care of business. What's up? What's good? <laughs> it's like, I thought we had an understanding here, guys. We're going to let you live. But that, this, you decided to push a little too far. There are certain phrases that if you hear in public, you just need to kind of go ahead and back off head the other way. If I hear what's good, like that's what <laughs> you're, you need to say. Yeah. Woo, yeah. Head the nothing, other way. Zelda. Nothing is good. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, contrary yeah. to what you might nothing. hear. The answer is always nothing, it turns mm -hmm. out. What's, nothing what, is good. What's good? Everything behind me. I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to head that way. That's what Florida, that's what Georgia said to Florida. Like, oh, you like football? Yeah, you uh, like yeah. hitting people with garbage cans, right? Like that's, <laughs> like pulled the full Harlem Knights on them and just went ahead and beat the crap out of them. And after. so that, that makes Florida Arsenio Hall, where, or no, it wasn't Arsenio Hall. <laughs> Yeah, it was Arcedo with the little pistol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the little pistol. And then yeah. things got serious. Uh, wait, we lost Pablo. Wait, we lost if, Pablo. If we, oh, wait, hold on. Am I back? Am I here? No, Hello? no, 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 no. I'm talking about with with uh, Harlem Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So point point being I hate you. I hate you so much. Georgia's so Georgia is so strong that it's difficult for me to rule them out of any game. But Tennessee, this is this is, to me, the most important game in the SEC East in recent memory. When I say recent, I mean like 20 years. I don't, outside of, because there haven't really been this many games with national title implications. Because if Tennessee wins this, they're in. Like, they're, they're, right. they're going to, yeah, they're going to go ahead. They'll go to the SEC title game. I think they stand a great chance out of whoever comes out of the West, right? because they've already beaten Alabama once. If they get Alabama again, I don't like Alabama's chances a second time now that, that, that they're going to be at full strength. Yeah, I, I this is their season. Wait, so can we do the thing where we characterize then if, if Georgia is, I believe, as you put it, like throwing trash cans at people? Was that, the, was that the, their, their brawling <laughs> strategy? What is Tennessee's? Like in the streets of rage like in the East, what are they using like, to destroy yeah. you? Well, lasers. Orbit, yeah, orbital death laser, man. Just oh, pressing yeah. a button. <laughs> yeah, done. You're you're finished. Um, <laughs> that that would be doing a disservice to the fact that they run the ball real well. They are real good up front because Pete Golding of Alabama said it before they got rung up for 52. I either defend you deep or I defend the run. Under that scheme, I can't do both. I got to pick one because otherwise. Um, otherwise, I'm going to get confused. I'll get indecisive, and you'll pick me apart, which is what happened to them. 
Do we have any time left? Like, I feel like I want to get into some Lane Kiffin action, or are we, this is it. We're just doing Georgia and Tennessee. I got to talk. No, Lane, we should. I got to talk Lane Kiffin for a second. Okay. We should follow the Tennessee historical segue back to Lane Kiffin, where he finds himself, Mr. Salafade, in a very different spot, but pretty much exactly the same guy. Yeah, I'm sorry on time. If you don't use it, that's fine. I just have to talk about Lane Kiffin anyway. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so we, I would love to talk about Lane Kiffin and his beef with Jimbo Fisher after beating Texas A&M this weekend. <laughs> He had some choice words and referencing back to the off-season <laughs> beef between them and Jimbo Fisher referring to Kiffin as a, quote, clown act. And so we are asking, what are the chances Lane Kiffin trolled Jimbo Fisher a little too hard after beating him this weekend? And we have video of, uh, you know, including some of the comments from Kiffin. Yeah, I thought the running backs did well. I mean, 390 yards rushing against a bunch of five stars, pretty good. Halloween right around the corner. What are we dressing up as? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Joker. Maybe Jimbo has a Joker outfit for me. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. That's a fire extinguisher. I don't think you're supposed to be. Audience. I don't think you're supposed to be breathing that. I, don't think so <laughs> I mean, I mean, in their defense, Spencer, they're playing football. Like, yes. uh, I mean, yeah, why why not use a fire extinguisher yeah. as a fog machine? Like that is probably the safest thing that's happening on that field is them inhaling whatever whatever chemicals will put out a grease fire. Mm -hmm. Sweet, sweet fog juice. Um, um, Spencer, yeah, man, like this is he was so ready. Lane was ready as soon as this game ended to unload everything. Yeah, zero percent. Yeah, just gonna go ahead and give you that answer because. Uh, Lane Kiffin, if you didn't know, my favorite, in addition to the like Joker thing, in addition to talking about, hey, we did real well against a bunch of five stars out there, right? At every point, Lane Kiffin is saying, you get the groceries, but you don't know how to cook. That, that's what he's mm. saying every single time. And that's not even my favorite comment. We didn't cover the fact that Lane Kiffin repeatedly referred to Texas A&M as, um, as having a five-star roster. It's having like, oh yeah, that's, they've just got oh some great, of the greatest players in college football. They've got a history. great roster. He Whoa. didn't say they had a great coaching staff or they were a great team. He just said they were good dudes over there. <laughs> they beat him on like. Speaking of cooking, he cooked up a wheel route on two big touchdowns. Like to the point you made earlier, if y'all not gonna address this, <laughs> we gonna keep doing it. And it just kept hitting him with big shots, and they were running the hell out of the ball. It was. Obviously, the answer is zero. Like, there's never – that was a gentle troll. It wasn't even a mm -hmm. shot at, at Jimbo. It was more a shot at himself. And as far as Lane Kiffin's concerned, like, I expect higher trollability out of him. He seems like, at least at one point, he seemed like one of the few coaches that we could expect to give us something good. I mean, well, all he gave us on, really was, was a wardrobe change at halftime, which the first hoodie was better than the second hoodie, to be clear. Well, what you're saying to Lane, then, is simply that we expect more from your material, given how high the bar has been raised previously, because Ooh. the dude is changing hoodies at halftime. And he is, by the way, all of the things we're talking about, I'd have to prepare for, like, I wanted to figure out, like, okay, what did I miss here? Mm -hmm. I realized all I had to do was go to Lane Kiffin's Twitter account. Because he tweeted out the articles about this. He tweeted oh out a gosh, video really? laughing. He tweeted a video <laughs> laughing at the AM yell leaders, like those uh, kids. He like did the laughing crying emoji after I mean it's all it's all there. It's yeah, all there. I, I you know, you say that and we go, okay, this is just him doing his thing. Yeah, I I don't think these two like each other. Like I know like 
oh, we're, we're, this is kayfabe and they all get along. And no, man, I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all here. I think this is actually how he feels and how but they the root toward each other. So the <laughs> roots of this, for people who don't know, right, they go back to the whole Jimbo versus Saban, you know, like everyone's buying players essentially through NIL and so forth. And Lane Kiffin got called a clown or a clown act in so many words, too. Is that the roots of this or does this go deeper in terms of like the river of resentment? My sentiment, my guess is this, that I don't think Lane Kiffin likes the way Jimbo Fisher does anything. Like, I don't think he likes the way he calls offense. I don't think he likes the way he handles his quarterbacks or anything. Like, and I kind of get that. Like, you know, Lane is very much a guy who will call the play, let his players make a mistake, and then we're we're on to the next thing. And Jimbo's the guy who's like, you know, Lane will want to go fast. Jimbo's like, we'll use all 40 seconds of the play clock, and I will consult my 400-page playbook, and I will send it in. And if you don't get it right, I'll call timeout, and we'll come back, and we'll get the call right, right? And then I'll change the play again. Can, Can we get back to the hoodies? That's what I really care about. I, I would like to decide. Yeah, throw that up again First of all, we need, to, this is we need to decide what the, what the best hoodie is. And also, I need a, like, was there an explanation for why the hoodie got changed? Like, aren't um, you in there? Is it AD, ADHD? I'm sorry, Spencer. Give it to me. Sweat. That's the oh. number one reason. Oh, yeah, okay. it's sweat. It wasn't exactly cold down in College Station, I don't think. So yeah. so then why not wear a t-shirt or a polo and not two separate hoodies if it's hot? I don't know. Maybe I, I'm switching over to Team Jimbo just for common sense sake. Um, I, I think I think Lane likes to keep it covered. I think he's self conscious. Oh, you know, I think okay. He, I I'm think sorry. To, back back with Lane. Yeah. Back with Lane. Cover wait, wait. You're, cover you're the moves to... up, Lane. Cover up the moves because he, he's lost. Because he got in great shape, right? But oh. you know, like once you once you're out of shape in your head, you always look like that, right? So pair this with what Jimbo's wearing, which is Jimbo. Jimbo at all times, like Jimbo signed a contract for $95 million, and he decided that he should dress up like some sort of like Balkan crime lord, like. He, he, <laughs> He seriously, like, he seriously sometimes dresses up like a dude out of Eastern Promises, like just tracksuits. Give me, give me one percent on this, just for insurance <laughs> purposes. There, Mister Alabaster. Did you see this? Did you see the sound? Mister Salafade, sorry. So, yeah, sorry. One more thing. Someone, someone in the game day crowd had a sign that said uh, that Pat McAfee has a boosie fade. Which is <laughs> I saw that. The greatest, was which is the greatest sign in the history of college game day. <laughs> Not just oh that; God. it's because he looked so happy and proud of himself when they got on. He got on camera with it. Like, oh my gosh, the boosie yeah. fade! I mean, anytime you can incorporate a boosie fade into a conversation, I'm down. But to be <laughs> honest, as an old man, I mean, it's the Nas fade. Like Nas had the the cleanest high and tight back in the early '90s. So I'm old. Give me some confetti, cellophane. Jeez, don't be stingy. There we go. Yeah. Give it to me. Oh, is man. it too late to edit oh. me into a? Is it too oh, late to edit me into man. a Harlem Nights poster with Dominique? <laughs> Did I lose credibility by having Let's no get, idea? Let's get what you're being fun of. <laughs>